Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. We had a home birth back in 2016. So we started a podcast about it. And then grew it into a birth brand to help future and current parents believe in their success with home birth. This is the place to hear home birth stories along with helpful resources and tips to feel empowered and supported in your birth journey. This is Doing It At Home. Hello, welcome home. This is Doing It At Home. Thanks for listening. I'm Sarah. Today's episode is When Your Birth Doesn't Go the Way You Planned with Brittany Mitchell. This is a great topic because many of you out there might have had Births that went a certain way that you didn't anticipate certain things or circumstances. It's not what you intended for. It's not what you would have wanted. And so today's story is an example of one way it can look to navigate through some things that come up because that's how life is. So that's how birth is too. So if that's something that you experience, this is a great time to connect and resonate and feel understood. And then I think it's great also for those planning for birth to do some of the mental work, the emotional work in being open to things unfolding differently than you might have originally anticipated, whether that's a location change or just elements of the birth are different than when you what you thought it would be. If you are not subscribed yet to the podcast, please do so. It's great for you too because you get notified every week when a new episode drops and we are getting our ducks in a row over here preparing for parental leave. We have a couple more weeks here. We're in our last interviews of the year and we're going to wrap up recording and take a break from that. And then we're also going to be setting things up like our social media posts and other content that'll be going out while we are on leave. So following us and subscribing and signing up for our free weekly email newsletter. Those are all great ways to be in the know. You get access to more resources and home birth awesomeness. And it also supports us. Those are ways to support doing it at home, particularly when we take a leave like this, which we haven't done before on the show, because when we launched the show is when we had Maya. So we don't know what it's like to be running, doing it at home 
while having a birth and going through postpartum. So this will, we're all going to be on a journey together (laughs) during this. So those are all the ways that you get some pretty sweet benefits. And then it also supports and gives back to the space if you feel so inspired to do that. And anytime you support one of our partners or companies that we pair up with and partner up with, and you use our discount codes, those are also great ways to support doing it at home and at no extra cost to you. It's you getting access to really great resources and products, and then it also supports doing it at home. So links for all that stuff is in the show notes for you. Back to today's episode with Brittany, we talked to Brittany about her hospital transfer And this is another great representation and variation of normal to have on the show. And I'm glad that we have a lot of examples of hospital transfer stories because it's really important to hear how women and families navigate through this. So we talk about that. We talk about the transfer itself. We talk about epidural and protosin. We talk about attempted vacuum removal and placenta encapsulation. And Brittany doesn't live too far from us. We actually use the same midwife. So it was cool to have that connection and that shared experience together. Thank you so much to Brittany for sharing your story. Brief word from our sponsor and we'll dive right in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Kick us off and tell us a little bit about you and your family. Okay. um, I'm Brittany. My husband is Elliot. I'm 30. He's uh, 33. Our son, Cole, is about to turn 18 months next week, which is super exciting. And then we have our three fur babies, too. We've got Nala, Dempsey, and Capone. Wow. Oh, very nice. Big family. Yes. (laughs) Yes. We've got a crazy house. (laughs) And we've riffed a little bit about this already, but your crazy house is not far from our crazy house. We are kind of neighbors and we have a lot of cool connections. Yes, definitely. Um, We are in the same little town. We're practically neighbors and (laughs) our frequent haunts are the same, the square and the coffee shop and all that. So that's great. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, we share the same midwife as well, which is so cool. Yeah, which is awesome. That's, I mean, I kind of decided on home birth after listening to y'all's podcast and y'all had an episode and you mentioned Debbie and um, I think mentioned that she was like in the Marietta area Mm -hmm. and I like looked her up. I was like, oh my gosh, they're like practically neighbors. And when it came down to deciding on a midwife, we had it narrowed down between Debbie and another midwife. And after our initial consultation with her and our interview, I was like, yep, this is it. (laughs) 
Oh, oh my so gosh. Cool. That makes my heart so happy. It's so exciting. <laughs> it's so crazy how small the world can become in something like this. You know, who who would have thought and who would have that we've we've actually spoken to a couple of people on the show in our area. And then you're not the first that we've spoken to who actually had Debbie as their midwife as well. So I just love all the connections. Let's um Let's talk about for a second then why you chose home birth. I know you said you listened to the podcast a little bit. So take us back for a second into whether it was preconception or when you became pregnant, what that conversation was like. So it was actually way preconception. Um, for the longest time, I was that person who was like, I'm never going to have kids. Uh, and then like, I don't know, I just started feeling like the time was right. But I, I don't know, like I knew I didn't want like the traditional um, like strict hospital birth. And I was like, there's gotta be something out there. But since I was always like, I'm never having kids, I had never looked into it or paid attention. Like when other people talked about like alternatives. Um, and then I saw home birth mentioned somewhere in at the time, like home birth wasn't as popular as I feel like it is right now. And I came upon y'all's, y'all's podcast and (laughs) I listened for probably like a good three, four months, like literally every episode on my way to work, on my lunch break, on my way home. And I was like, okay, this, this is what I want. And then I was like talking to my husband about it after we had finally had the conversation, like, okay, um, let's talk about getting my IUD out. Let's talk about, you know, conceiving and everything. And I kind of brought up the idea of home birth to him. And at first he was kind of like, mm, I don't know, just cause he had was like me and never heard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of did our research together and I know this has been said a million times on your show. We watched the business of being born. <laughs> nice. Um, I played a couple episodes, uh, of y'all's podcast forum, showed him some different things and he was immediately on board in I think he kind of knows that I don't like jump into anything. I do my research on stuff. So if I was confident in it, he was going to be confident in it. Mm. So that's kind of how we landed on home birth. And I had like my midwife list picked out and everything. And I still had my IUD in. (laughs) Wow. I think that's so amazing. That, that trend, that pattern that we've seen since starting the show is not something I would have ever thought of. I didn't think about birth preconception or at mm-hmm. least beyond whether I would do it or not. That's pretty much where the thought yeah. process stopped. But to hear that women and families and couples are having those conversations years prior or seasons prior, I just think is mm-hmm. so incredible and so inspiring. It just makes so much sense when you think about it, but we're just not we're not really encouraged or supported in doing that a lot. I think the narrative is just when you're ready to get pregnant or when you get pregnant is when you figure it all out. But I love that. And I'm also curious just for someone who might be listening, say this is their first episode and they're where Mm -hmm. you were, however long ago that was, and they're starting to collect and gather. What about in particular listening to stories, like listening to the podcast really helped move things forward for you? I'm just curious for the person who maybe hasn't heard a single home birth story and now is looking into that. What about stories in particular really connected with you? I think just hearing, um, you know, whenever you have a conversation with someone about birth and their experience, like 90% of the time, it's someone who had birth in the hospital and it was like the standard check-in, get their epidural, get Pitocin, all of that. And it's never like, 
when you listen to the podcast, you hear people talk about like the connection they have with their partner. You hear about how you kind of set your own rules. You can have your own environment set up and just kind of that, like, I don't know, that like warm feeling that kind of comes with hearing those stories Mm -hmm. and knowing that it doesn't have to be this like structured thing. It can be something like very organic and something that connects you and your partner. And isn't just about like, end goal of getting the baby out. And I feel like, I don't know, just that feeling you get like listening to those alternative, well, what's considered alternative birth stories. And um, that's really, I think like what drew me in. And that's, I was like, I want that. I want to feel that. Like I want to connect with my husband while we're like going through this like huge life-changing experience because obviously it's life-changing for the birther, but like also for the, like the partner mm-hmm. to witness that and yeah. like see, um, just like see it happen. Can you remember what were some of the things that your husband really um, was attracted to around home birth that helped him get on the other side and, and ultimately be excited about having a home birth? Um, I think for him, just um, knowing like how, one, how excited I was about it and knowing that we could kind of keep it, um, keep it like just us because we were planning on having a very, like basically it just be, me and him and one of our friends in the room with like the midwife and just kind of having that special time of just us where we're literally aside from the midwife starting this journey as like just a family together. We're not going to have just a bunch of strangers in the room and um, knowing we could kind of, I guess, create our own like birthing environment. He would, I think he was really, about that and just like seeing how excited I was. And he knows, like, I feel like I'm not like the traditional person and um, knowing like we helped like create a playlist together and talked about like what kind of music we wanted. And I don't know, I just think branching off from that kind of box that the hospital puts you in um, and knowing it was gonna be like just us and like starting our family just together and not with a whole bunch of strangers. That's clear. Got that. (laughs) So what was it like when you were pregnant and in the planning process and what were some things that were coming up, whether it was resources you were using or things that you were envisioning about the birth? What, what was that like in that phase? Um, so we were, we did hypnobirthing, um, which I know has been talked about (laughs) on the podcast. Um, I did that course and, uh, we had kind of just envisioned, we had the pool, um, we were going to put some lights up. We had kind of like a playlist plan. Well, we actually had two playlists planned because I wasn't sure like what kind of mood I was going to be in. If I was going (laughs) to need like some hype music. I totally get it. Some chill music. I love it. Yes. So we kind of had that planned and we had um, like our bathroom like set up whether I wanted to be in the shower, if I wanted to be in the bathroom because I had heard like the toilet is like a haven for some people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we were just planning on having it in our bedroom um, and having one of our friends there with us who I really wish she could have been a part of our birth. I know we'll talk about it, but the home birth didn't happen, but she's just one of those people that 
at the time I had told her, like, I wanted her in the room. I had only known her for less than a year, but she's one of those people that you meet and you can just instantly spill your guts to her. Mm -hmm. And she has such a like calming nature. And so like, I knew I wanted her there to like be able to take pictures and be like a backup person for my husband, for myself. Um, So yeah, we just had like this this plan of having like our music it just being us the pool so yeah did you have any troubles with sharing with family and friends about the plan to have a home birth um I was very hesitant to share at first because we had um we actually didn't even tell anyone that we were trying to get pregnant Mm. um because we just didn't want any like external pressure from anybody sure um, so most people were very shocked when we told them we were pregnant. And then when they were like, Oh, where are you going to have the baby? Cause that's like, seems to be one of the first questions everybody always asks. Yeah. Uh, we said at home and we were met with some very questioning looks. Um, I think my mother-in-law wasn't surprised because she knows like we're kind of, we kind of beat to our own drum mm-hmm. and, uh, my parents were very hesitant about it. I talked about it to like my mom and explained why we were doing it. Um, all of our friends were instantly fine with it. Um, at the time I was working in the medical field. So I had doctors, nurses, everyone like kind of questioning it. I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? And, um, I had one doctor, he was actually, uh, I guess the, out of everybody in the medical field, it was like one doctor I'd hardly worked with. He was, his response when he found out I was having a home birth was, damn, you've got some balls. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> wow. And wow. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but everybody huh. was just very, I guess, questioning of why I wanted to do that and why I would want to put myself mm. through that. And don't I want to be in the hospital where I can have pain meds? And like, not everybody wants that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just feel like in the medical field, they automatically are like, this is what we're going to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Also to that doctor, it's like anatomically, no, <laughs> I don't. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> My pregnant uterus says otherwise, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, kudos to you for being who you are in the midst of that. I know yeah. that can be, that can be a lot of, of energy, uh, kind of thrown at you or even just on the outskirts. If you feel like it's there, we can certainly relate. So, to just keep moving forward with what feels best for you. So just want to yeah. acknowledge that. It's just always shocking to me, like how much I had to defend my, my birth plan to almost strangers yeah. just because everybody wants to know like, Oh, where are you going to have your baby? And it's like, well at home. And then they want to ask like every possible question under the sun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and share their opinions. And like, like mm-hmm. you just talked about, tell you what, they think is a great idea versus not a great idea. Right. So it sounds like you and, and your husband uh, navigated those waters pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So as we got a little further along in the pregnancy, what was going on? How were you feeling? Um, I was feeling pretty, I, I know like I had my bumps in the pregnancy just with like nausea and stuff, but I was very lucky. I feel like, um, feeling pretty good. Most of my pregnancy, um, I definitely was just the general exhausted. It seemed like all the time, um, especially after work and stuff, but overall I felt 
pretty good. Um, it was actually, I don't know. I feel like you kind of go into pregnancy. At least I went into pregnancy kind of like expecting the worst, like expecting to feel nauseous all the time. And just cause it's what you hear from everybody. Everybody talks about the negative and, um, I mean, I'll be the first to say I didn't necessarily love being pregnant, but I know I was very lucky with how I felt during my pregnancy. Yeah. And I really don't think I started feeling kind of crummy until like right at the end when I was just exhausted and swollen and just kind of just waiting to, to meet Cole. <laughs> yeah. And how were your conversations going with Debbie and your prenatal appointments and what was there anything worth sharing or, or noting from that as you were leading up to? Um, I think one of the concerns that Debbie had um, from basically like the very first appointment is um, I've been vegan for about five years now. Um, and she said that she hadn't had a whole lot of uh, vegan patients. So she was nervous about me um, meeting like my nutritional needs in my levels and everything being um, where she wanted. So she had me go ahead and schedule with a dietitian. And um, surprisingly, the dietitian was like, you are doing everything perfect. And mm -hmm. nice. I think the main, the main thing that Debbie was worried about was my vitamin D levels. Cause she was saying like in a standard pregnancy, that's something that, um, or in like a non-vegan pregnancy, that's something that women have trouble hitting. And I was, I was beaming with pride when awesome. uh, I had my vitamin D levels done and they were like beyond perfect. And she was like, okay, I'm not going to say anything else about it. <laughs> so was, was there anything that you did intentionally around nutrition during your pregnancy? Um, I noticed whenever I was feeling like starting to get nauseous and feeling crummy. And I feel like a lot of women are like, this is when I wasn't eating enough protein. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to start every day with like a protein shake and trying to make sure I had like a good portion of like leafy greens with my lunch and with my dinner and, um, just kind of making sure I, I was conscious of like at least having one meal a day that was like very nutritious. Um, especially since the only thing I was craving in my pregnancy was blue slushies. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so I had to like balance out the sugar. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Understood. Uh, I was a frequent visitor of Sonic. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, just making sure like I, I just tried to have like one relatively healthy meal a day, making sure I had my protein shake and, um, I, I don't, I'm not one of those people who likes like keeping track of my calories and stuff, but my dietitian, like she suggested so that I don't have like a restriction set my, like get a, get my calorie counter just to make sure that I am hitting everything and set the goal as something absolutely crazy. So you don't have that like measurement mm. showing up on your screen. So like, she's like set it at like 6,000 calories a day or something as your goal. That way you're not having to see like that little bar where you're getting close to meeting your calories. Um, but, and just go ahead and keep track of everything. And she's like, just look at like your protein and look at your carbs and just make sure you're eating enough and you're hitting your protein goals so that you're not feeling kind of crummy. And she even said, she was like, you're gonna, you're gonna crave, crave things. And she's like, obviously don't prevent yourself from having that. Like treat yourself like you're going through a, a lot right now like <laughs> you need that little little boost of sugar and um but yeah 
Blue gotcha. slushies and the watermelon sour patch kids. <laughs> <laughs> Beware, mamas out there. Yes. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the birth. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. So some things changed a little bit from what you were originally intending. Can you walk us through that? Mm -hmm. Yes. So um, we had gone into this like with home birth being our goal. And I didn't think I knew there was a possibility of it not going as planned as there is with anything in life. Um, But I was dead set on that was not going to happen to me. And um, my labor started a couple days past my due date. Um, I say started, but I was in the middle of taking a test because I was actually finishing up my bachelor's degree (laughs) while I was (laughs) pregnant. But um, I was in the middle of taking a test and I was like, "Mm, man, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling some things. Um, And I started having some, some cramping and some pressure and didn't think anything of it. Thought I just did too much that day, too much cleaning, whatever it may be. Um, And the next day, like that, that feeling continued. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is getting, getting a little bit more intense. And it was like, uh, I gave birth on Saturday. So like the Thursday night, Friday morning, I woke up having contractions and it wasn't what I expected. I don't know what I was expecting, but I guess I had always like thought that my contractions would all be like in my belly and like my uterus, it was all in my back. And I was I remember Debbie saying something about like when it starts, you know, you, your Elliot's going to need like to be supporting you and stuff. So like let him sleep as long as possible. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to wake him up. <laughs> Just thought I had like kind of like an upset stomach. Um, so I'm like, I'm going to go hang out in the bathroom for a while and kind of just stood under the warm shower, hoping that would help. Uh, it did not. And then like, finally, I think after a few hours, it was like six or seven a.m. I woke Elliot up and I was like, mm, "I don't know why, but something doesn't feel right." Like, let's give Debbie a call. And he talked to her, and she gave us some suggestions: getting in a warm bath, um, take some magnesium. And she's like, "If it still is like pretty intense, she's like, have a glass of wine and try and relax." <laughs> Which I did all of the things, and nothing was really helping. The only thing that started to help was um, Elliot doing counter pressure on my back. And then um, we actually borrowed a TENS unit from one of our friends and that, that provided some relief. And then it got more intense and more intense. And like, after talking to Debbie and going back and forth, and it was to the point that I wasn't able to hold any food down. I started getting really nauseous and um, started throwing up. I was barely keeping water down. And that's when Debbie was like, "Mm, let's, let's kind of reevaluate where we're at. She had us try a couple more things. Um, Still was having the intense back labor and it, it just was getting progressively worse. And 
I think Debbie's concern was that I wasn't eating or drinking and I hadn't slept at all that night. So I was starting to get very weak. Yeah. So she was like, let's just send you into the hospital, get you checked, see where you're at. We go to the hospital and I was only two centimeters dilated and Cole had turned posterior, which is why I was having such intense back labor. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, so they watched me for a while, checked me again. And while I was there, I was, I dilated maybe a half a centimeter more. So they gave me something, um, to hopefully help me sleep and maybe keep some food down and sent me home. Um, and I went back home, slept for maybe three hours. I ate some like saltines and I was able to get like a coconut water down. And then it just started back up again. Um, and at that point we were hoping that after getting sent home, getting some rest, eating a little bit, that maybe our home birth still might happen. Um, Elliot started kind of getting some things out, hoping that we would be able to set up the birth pool. And um, then the back labor started up again and it was, it was just getting so intense. And um, I was kind of like, okay, let's hang out here for a while. My mom had come up at that point to watch our dogs in case we had to go to the hospital. Um, and I could tell Elliot was starting to get concerned about me because he was doing everything he could. He was doing the back pressure. He was putting the TENS unit on, getting me washcloths, getting me heating pads. And he called Debbie one more time and she ultimately decided, I think she probably needs to go into the hospital. Um, which like, it was so hard because I was like, no, this is not but, like, it's when I guess things started kind of like falling apart for me and I was starting to feel guilty. I'm like, no, I can do this. I can mm. do this. But I was just, I was so weak. I hadn't slept but like three hours and like two days. I hadn't been able to eat, drink anything. So we went to the hospital. Luckily I had dilated more. And um, when they checked me, they're like, your, your water is like literally about to break any minute. They could see my bag bulging. Mm. Um, they started me on IVs because I was dehydrated because I hadn't been able to drink anything and I was vomiting. And um, we finally got admitted and into our room and it came time to decide if I was going to get an epidural or not. And, you know, going into home birth, I had planned on, you know, doing the natural drug-free, but I was in so much pain. They had like the peanut ball. They had me turning. I felt like a rotisserie chicken. Mm -hmm. um, Gosh. And finally I was like, you know what, we need to go ahead and do this. Cause I was just, I don't know, like I've never been so exhausted in my life. And like, I hadn't even gotten to the point that it was time to push yet. So finally, um, it labor really picked up. Um, and then it slowed down again, which happens with the epidural and then the dreaded Pitocin had to be started, which I was like, no, no. like it was just like one thing after another, it just kind of snowballed down. But like, all of my plans were kind of being slowly taken away and it, it was so like, so hard, but like in the moment, I'm just like, you know what, at, at this point, I just want Cole out and happy and healthy. And, yeah. um, finally my water broke, I had reached 10 centimeters and it was time to push. And I pushed for four and a half hours. And the way that Cole had turned his head was kind of like, butting up against my pelvis and I knew something was about to happen because like the midwife and the nurse like kept going out of the room and then coming back in and they were kind of like whispering to each other and 
um, I'm actually very thankful that my backup uh, OB and midwives were not the ones at the hospital when I got admitted because I absolutely fell in love with the midwives that I had there at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Like I was very thankful for them um, because they did ask me like what my birth plan was, if I had any wishes, like I wanted to do delayed cord clamping. Like they just went down the list with me and I was like, okay, I didn't think I would have any of these options as soon as I got into the hospital. Um, but once, uh, they had tried basically everything and trying to get Cole and his head just like kept hitting my pelvis and they had me kind of turning and, um, they decided to bring the OB in and they unfortunately had to try to vacuum suction him out and the angle he was at, they just couldn't get, I guess, a good suction on him. And we tried for, I believe three rounds of contractions that whole time is kind of like a blur to me. Mm -hmm. Um, the only thing like I remember is like, obviously Elliot was right there with me and I, I think I kind of went into this like dark place of like, I can't do this. Like it's, it's not going to happen for me. And like, all I remember, Oh, I'm going to try not to cry. Um, all I remember is like Elliot being there and he's like, you got this, like you can do this and just cheering me on. And, um, he's like, Cole's almost here. We can do this. We're going to get through this together. And just like being focused on me. Cause I think I was like, not necessarily worried. I was like, hopefully like Elliot isn't just like hyper-focused on um, like the baby and getting him here. Like it was so nice to like have that support and like knowing like he was there for me and I had my cheerleader and yeah. um. I feel like he kind of like pulled me out of that and he got me through those last three contractions. That was like the hardest, most intense thing I've ever done in my life. Um, uh, but ultimately it was unsuccessful and they ended up having to do a C-section because at that point they were starting to see some meconium and there were very slight signs of distress um, with Cole. So they're like, we're going to have to go ahead and do a C-section. And for a moment there, I was like, relieved because I was that four and a half hours of pushing that was intense it was like it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life um but we did the c-section and uh it, it was funny my OB was like wow I was able to do the incision low enough like you're gonna be in a bikini in no time and I like just turned to, to Ellie and I'm like that is the last thing I'm yeah. worried about right now <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, and I don't know if she was just trying to like have like a little icebreaker just because like everything was kind of intense, but I'm mm -hmm. like, she really think I'm concerned about being in a bikini right now. Um, but then Cole came out and like, I could hear him crying mm -hmm. and, oh my God, just that moment of seeing him, even if he looked like a little alien covered in goo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it was nice because they were able, like, luckily the meconium was not bad at all. They were able to delay cord clamping a little bit. Um, and they asked if I had any wishes for my placenta and I wanted to try placenta encapsulation. Um, so we told them we wanted to keep it and they were like, okay. And they basically darted up and, um, while they were closing me, of course, Elliot and Cole went to the recovery area mm -hmm. I was getting my incision closed and while we were in there, the nurse brought in my placenta and basically was like, which I didn't know that this was a thing, but they, the hospital can't store your placenta for you. Mm. So, and it's of course the time of COVID and you're 
allowed one birthing partner. And so we had like no one to give this placenta to. Mm. (laughs) And we had, I don't know if she was an MA or a nursing assistant. She went and uh, emptied out her lunchbox, filled it with ice and gave it to us. So we could put like the container with my placenta in it until my mom and my mother-in-law could come pick it up because she like, because we were going back and forth and she, I think she could kind of tell that we were like, what are we going to do with it? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to just throw it away. And I thought that was the nicest thing Yeah, because they were like, if you don't have it out of here, we're going to have to just send it to the lab. And I'm like, no, that's, I don't know. That's my placenta. Like, I don't want that done. Um, So that worked out that they were able or she was able to do that for us. And my mom and mother-in-law came and picked it up later that night. But um, one of the things that like, I still look back on and uh, it's, I hate so much about my birth is I was so nauseous, like throughout my C-section, everything, they tried like three medications to get me to like stop dry heaving. And I had started throwing up. Um, I was so tired and so weak. They handed Cole to me and like, I literally could not even hold him. Mm -hmm. Like Elliot had to come over and like try and support my arms while I held him. So it's like that first night I kind of didn't get to have that like skin to skin experience that I wanted so bad. And we got to our room and I was just so tired just between the medicine and everything. Um, Elliot basically spent that first night with Cole and I unfortunately missed out on it. But that morning, next morning I woke up and he was there and we, we got to have our moment in the end. And, um, I beat myself up for the longest time. Um, and I think I was let down by myself, but I did it. I got Cole here. I, I busted my ass getting him here. And in the end, we were both happy. We were both healthy. And that's what matters. Like I took my time and I still tell myself it's okay to mourn what didn't happen. You had a plan. It, di- it didn't go to plan. Um, but our end goal was to be there together as a family and Colby here and be healthy and safe and um I was just I don't know it it was so hard to to not feel guilty about missing out and um I don't know if y'all met Amanda that works with Debbie Mm -hmm. she was the one who encapsulated my placenta and she came to our house to pick it up and I remember just sitting there on the couch with her with Cole and she was giving me breastfeeding tips and everything and she had asked my birth story and that was like the first time I had truly told it to anyone. Mm -hmm. And I just broke down crying and lost it. And she was so sweet, but she was one of the first people to tell me like, it's okay to mourn that. Like you, you did it. You're like, look at you. Y'all are here. Y'all are thriving. And um, she's like, it's okay to mourn that it didn't happen, but she's like, don't feel guilty about it. You did everything you could. And I think just like, having that reassurance like obviously Elliot told me that but like kind of having that reassurance from an outside person and someone who was supposed to be there at my home birth um having them say that like it it kind of took a weight off of me and I think part of that was just like telling my story yeah um and like just taking a moment to break down because I hadn't done that yet Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, to let it out, process yeah. it, acknowledge it. What what happened? There's what happened, and then there's how you feel about what happened, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's going through it, and then allowing yourself. And I think it's so beautiful that Amanda could hold that space for you, and that you yeah. gave yourself permission to share like you did, and to share now like you are. And I think about mm-hmm. those who might have a similar situation to yours in another birth experience that are listening and can yeah. feel that connection with you and can feel that it's okay to mourn and there's nothing that you have to be guilty for. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever else goes into that goes into that, but just as a simple statement of, of you don't have to feel that way. No one's telling right. you you need to feel that way. Nothing, there's no rule that says you need to feel this way because this happened. And I think sometimes just yeah. hearing that can be that oh, that that weight lifted off. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm absolutely holding a space for you to continue to have healing and empowerment around that so that you can continue to share your story. And then for those listening too, that they can feel that connection with your story and whatever point they are in their healing journey to keep moving forward with that. That's, that's really, really beautiful. And so how do you, do you notice some things come up still now? And what do you tell yourself when it does, you know, what, what, how do you continue to navigate that? Um, I like for the longest time, um, I kind of avoided anything like mm. birth related. Cause I was like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. Cause I didn't get to have that. Sure. Um, and now I'm realizing like, just because I didn't get to have it doesn't mean like I should shut myself out from that. And, you know, we are still on the fence on whether or not we want to have another kid. And, um, that kind of came up for me. We just recently moved in December and it was, do we get rid of the home birth box? Cause we still have yeah. our whole box ready to go. And so the feelings kind of came up with that. And like some of the stuff that was in there was obviously going to go bad or it was already opened and I donated what I could, but like the core of the home birth box is right. still there and it's on a shelf in our basement just in case. Even though it didn't go as planned the first time, maybe if we decide again to have a have a second, maybe it'll work out the second time. Mm-hmm. And I'm hopeful of that because I do think I want to try again um, for that home birth that I didn't get to have the first time. And um, I don't know, just see like seeing that home that that box. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, seeing that box and knowing like what all is in there. It's like hmm, maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, possibility. But, yeah, that, those, yeah, those feelings definitely came back up when it was time to move. And it's like, do we get rid of it or do we keep it? And it's still sitting in our basement. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, just it's just staying warm for you. <laughs> yeah. Brittany, will you share with us one piece of wisdom from your experience for um, the mom to be or for the mom who had whose birth didn't go the way that they wanted? What's something that you would impart the listeners with? I think for the mom to be um, just to tell her you've got this, you can do this because that's what I needed to hear the most when I was like going through the hardest part. Um, Just hearing Elliot say like, you got this, you can do this mom to be, you got this, you can do this and you're going to rock it. Um, And for the mom who didn't get her experience, um, it's okay to mourn that you didn't get the experience you want. And it's okay to forgive yourself and be at peace. And, um, 
just look back and remember what happened and not beat yourself up about it because you did what you could and it's, it's okay to forgive yourself. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's that's awesome. So I'm very grateful that you came on here to share with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here and, and share it. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>